Blog Talk Radio. My name is Sal Marco Sal, Presidente. Welcome to 2020. Had a little bit of a slow start there. Everything's, you know, it's the, the first of the year, every, everything's getting delayed and kicking off, but we're good to go. Welcome to 2020. The Roaring Twenties are back. Today, we're going to take a look back at 2019 in sports. We're going to be taking a look at the wild card playoff. Standing by in the balance green room is Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor going to be from WSVT up in South Bend. Going to be talking with us about the IndyCar funny season. What's going on there? And to look back at 2019 with uh, IndyCar and a little bit of the NASCAR and just a little bit of racing and look back at 2019. And then also on deck anyway, uh, uh, hopefully we could, we could connect with Rick Riggin, uh, our official college football contributor. We're going to be talking about the LSU, uh, uh, LSU possible LSU championship game and uh, the look back at 2019 in college football. Going to talk a little bit about the IU disappointing loss. IU does what IU does when it comes to football. And uh, then at the top of the hour, Tony Donahue of the Tony D- T podcast and Ed Kratz, of, uh, beat writer of the uh, official beat writer of the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, and our official NFL contributor. Going to be breaking down wild card weekend. Also, uh, the big matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks. And to round things up and put a bow on it, it's going to be Mo from the BS Sports Show. My name is Tom Mike was L, President. Day. Oh, my God. Welcome to 2020. Can you believe that it's here? 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right after this. component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. 
I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Welcome back to The Balance. My name's Tom Luck with the El President. Hey, 917-889-8516 is our digits. If you want to chime in on the first show of 2020, joining us now is Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, Happy New Year to you, sir. Happy New Year to you, Tom. And I tell you what, a lot of interesting stuff, especially looking ahead of the Indy 500, uh, especially a few interesting drops from our good friend from the AP, Jenna Fryer, in the last uh, 24, 48 hours. We'll get into all of that. And I, but, but first of all, first and foremost, let's kind of just take a look back, not only at the Indy 500 of 2019, but the IndyCar season of 2019. What are some of the highlights? What are some of the takeaways? And most importantly, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Indy 500 2019. Uh, we were there. It was a great time. But uh, what are the highlights and takeaways of 2019 in the IndyCar season? Well, the biggest thing happened off the track, obviously, and that's uh, now that Roger Penske and his Penske Entertainment Group now own the Speedway, own the series. Uh, Very excited to see what that may lead to for next season. Obviously, uh, can uh, New Garden repeat? uh, And can he finally win the Indy 500? I think he is right now the biggest name outside of maybe Ed Carpenter uh, that he's yet to win the Indy 500. So I think 2020 could be the year we see a two-time winner, if not Elio Castellanos becoming a four-time winner. I think uh, this is the year that uh, we will have a repeat winner because there are just so many uh, former winners that are going to be in the field this year. It's just impossible to see a scenario 
with Hasbro winning it this past year, where unless New Garden or Carpenter wins, we have a first-time winner at the Indy 500. You know, we also saw some uh, movements around, if you will, and and one of the surprises, I guess, of 2019 was James Hinchcliffe uh, without a ride and currently still without a ride, and Connor Daly gets a ride. So some kind of a shaking and baking and really uh, some drivers you didn't expect to uh, not have a ride, don't have a ride, and, and drivers maybe you didn't totally predict would have a ride, does have a ride. It's been a crazy, silly season in 2019. Yeah, but it's a change in the guard. I mean, you have uh, a mid-40s uh, Tony Kanaan who has struggled uh, with point racing over the last several years, so I can't say I'm shocked that he is rideless. It looks like that point's going in another direction now that they are low on sponsorship money and looking for drivers as sponsors, such as Dalton Kellett from Indy Lights and uh, Charlie Kimball. And uh, James Hinchcliffe, I think ultimately the being on the ESPN body issue in the buff, I think angered Arrow. I think that also disappointed a few other people within the McLaren mix, maybe not so much the Smith-Peterson half. And add to that, his back-to-back four performances in qualifying, nearly failed to qualify for two straight Indy 500s, I think also was a red flag in the eyes of McLaren. And like I said, I think it's more a McLaren decision from Zach Brown than a move with Sam Smith and Rick Pearson. Because if it was solely on Sam Smith and Rick Pearson, I think James Hinchcliffe would have arrived from 2020. I think this is more dealing where McLaren does not like what they currently see with Hinch and are going in a different direction, albeit an aggressive direction, bringing in two relatively inexperienced drivers in Oliver Askew and Pato Award. Where are we at with Alonzo? Interesting rumor. Supposedly, he is going to be back at Andretti for the Indy 500 because we're hearing the rumor. Uh, it was mentioned, I mentioned Jenna Fryer, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray told her apparently that seven cars uh, will be entered by Andretti for this year's Indy 500. Well, they have five full time entries out. They've absorbed the Harding Steinbrenner entry of Colton Herta. Uh, Fernando Alonso would get one of those cars. Uh, who knows? Maybe this could be the landing spot since he does have ties for a long time. Could this be the seventh car? Could it be for, say, a Tony Kanaan? You know, there's a lot of uh, – uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the Indianapolis 500 uh, 2020. Obviously, a lot going on, a lot of changes in moving parts. But uh, uh, it looks like Elio's going to be back for 2020, and but – we don't know so much about TK. Uh, bring us up to speed what the funny season has brought us for the 2020 Indianapolis 500 coming up in just less than 100 days. Well, not quite uh, 100 days, uh, maybe like 120 or so, but we're getting in the ballpark, certainly. Close. But we're in there. We're in that ballpark. Understood. Elio Castroneves-Dow, we did hear the confirmation again for Jenna Cryer that, she, that he – the Brazilian that is the three-time winner will run both the IndyCar Grand Prix and the Indy 500 for Penske. Uh, they still have that rookie test for Scott McLaughlin from Australian Supercar. Uh, I guess right now that the earliest you'd see anything for a Scott McLaughlin would be 2021. I think it's a little bit too late for them to be thinking five cars for Indianapolis. Uh, and then if you look at the scenarios uh, for Honda, they expect to have 13 full-time IndyCar entries. 
and they think they could cap out at 18 for the 500. Well, that would mean Chevrolet could have as many as 18, which would mean a 36-car entry. Um, you look at the scenarios, obviously, as far as, you know, part-time entries, uh, Dryer and Reinbold would probably take two of those uh, Chevrolet contracts, so again, for probably Karam and Hildebrand. Uh, if the money is still there, uh, we expect uh, Claus and Marshall to come back with Pippa Mann. Uh, the big question that I have, though, is for whom post uh, the team that bounced McLaren out of the field for this year's Indy, past Indy 500. Uh, they withdrew from the Rolex 24 at Daytona. I really don't know if they had the money to be able to afford an Indy 500 entry, uh, whether it would be for Kyle Kaiser or for Spencer Pickett, their former driver who also now is without a ride full-time. But uh, I think that's the big question mark in my mind is uh, what will we see, if anything, from Boom Coast because they are very short on money and uh, no sponsorship money. So that may be the one team, unfortunately, that we may not see uh, at, in the paddock uh, coming up in May. Let's talk a little bit about the red flag rule that is uh, going to be revised coming up here in 2020 uh, for IndyCar. What do we know about that? It's going to be similar to NASCAR where once the red flag is pulled, is, is shown, you cannot do any work on the cars. Now, it's going to be different to what we had with that big, big accident at Pocono where they were able to work during that red flag to get cars back up and going. That rule will be eliminated. Uh, you could not do any work on the cars, period, is the projected rule. And I think that's a fair rule because, uh, honestly, uh, trying to gain a leg up during the red flag, I don't think that's necessarily a thing that should be allowed anyway. And uh, I think right now it's really the drivers as far as being able to adjust to the changing track conditions if there are no move uh, around as far as that situation. So, with that in play, I think it's a fair rule and a rule that should be implemented. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the 2019 Indianapolis 500. It's always great to talk about the Indianapolis 500. As you mentioned, we got about 120 days before we have the 2020 Indianapolis 500. Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about the recaps and the race, and and uh, let's uh, let's uh, revisit. Uh, the uh, 2019 Indianapolis 500. Well, obviously, a dominating performance for Pagano won the pole, won the race. Uh, Pressing performances from a few other drivers. Obviously, the one that comes to mind is the Rookie of the Year, Santino Ferrucci. Uh, near miss for Rossi after a couple of problems during the race. Is able to bounce back from the back on a couple of occasions. Uh, unlucky not to be the winner at the end of the day. But uh, ultimately, look at the scenarios. Uh, once again, shows the domination of Team Penske. It'll be interesting to see, though, uh, how they do fare in 2020 at the Indy 500, but considering that Roger Penske is really not going to have a hands-on role because he says he's going to back out of the race strategy uh, business uh, to focus on operations of the speedway. So ultimately, without him there, obviously, I think a lot of the pressure is going to go upon Tim Sindrick. Now, granted, I don't think Tim Sindrick is a failure by any means, because he's been right alongside with Petsky for almost two, if not parts of three decades. But uh, I think a lot of pressure is going to be on Sindrick to be able to handle those duties, uh, essentially, as the head man now at the Penske racing operation now that Penske Corp uh, is now running, essentially, the series and the speedway. 
Let's talk about that. Let's uh, let's break that down a little bit. We broke it down when the story broke, but maybe there's some listeners that uh, aren't familiar, don't follow racing like we do. Uh, Penske Entertainment, let's make it all uh, official here. Penske, Penske Entertainment, which is owned by Roger Penske, uh, uh, bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as well as uh, the Indianapolis IndyCar Racing Series, and one would say, well, that seems kind of uh, odd when he has uh, the biggest, probably one would argue the biggest and most successful racing team in the IndyCar Series. How could that be? That'd be like the Indianapolis Pacers, for example, buying the NBA. Well, apparently because it's a different company, uh, and he's stepping down from the day-to-day operations of the racing team itself uh that everything is on the up and up and i believe that it is but let's look at the pros and cons of roger pinsky buying the indianapolis motor speedway and the indycar series well ultimately i just hope it does the only con i can think of is hopefully it doesn't end up like a situation where we had the france family after the passing of bill france jr i mean it was a mess it's been a mess and it has been a mess under brian france for the last several years so hopefully it does not come to that because consider Roger Petsky is 82. Chances are the main focus of the Speedway, once he passes away, is probably going to go to his son Greg, as his other son Jay is currently with business interests in Europe at this point, most notably uh, running a team in Formula E. So uh, that's the one question right now. Will the offspring and the next to kin be as into the sport as Roger is? So that's maybe the first concern. But uh, ultimately, I think the big thing is Holman and George was low on funds. Uh, there was no getting around it. Uh, they loved the track, all that, but they've been asking for the state of Indiana for financial support. Uh, they haven't been able to do a lot of the projects they wanted to because the funds were not present. Uh, so ultimately, they had to find another buyer to be able that would have the interest to keep the thing going. And who better than Roger Penske, who's been part of the racing business for almost, what, six, seven decades, uh, than to pick up the pieces and uh, run the operation uh, from his uh, side of the uh, coin. And uh, I think uh, they're really – the only con I could have is right now is the lack of interest once Roger passes – and it turns into a mess, such as when Brian France took over NASCAR. Hopefully that doesn't happen with Greg Pence gets controls, but that's the only concern I have right now at this point about uh, this uh, acquisition. Well, you know, I think a lot of people had a lot of concerns, but I think we'll, we'll see what happens. Penske obviously has a very proven track record of running successful uh, uh, race teams, and not only race teams, but his other multiple businesses that he has. So he's had a very good success on on too. Go ahead, you cut out. I'm sorry there, buddy. Yeah, he was the head chairman for the Super Bowl 40 committee in Detroit as well. So the guy's got some uh business connections outside just racing clearly. Sure, absolutely. Sure, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the 2019 NASCAR season while we got you on the line here. Uh, let's recap. Obviously, uh, Denny Hamilton uh, had some uh, great opportunities there in uh, uh, that afforded him some great wins and championships there in the NASCAR series. But uh, talk with us a little bit about what happened in 2019 in the NASCAR series. 
Well, clearly Joe Gibbs Racing is the team to beat now. I think there's no question about that. My only question now is, can Hedrick Motorsports get back on its feet again? Because after this year, Jimmy Johnson supposedly is going to step back from racing uh, and possibly look at other things outside of NASCAR. There's been rumors he may be even thinking about an Indy 500 ride, possibly in the future, if not a ride at Le Mans. But uh, right now, I have not seen the progress uh, from guys like William Byron or Chase Austin or Chase Elliott that tells me that they are ready to take over the mantle just yet and be championship contenders. I just don't see it right now. And until that happens, uh, this is a team I think it's going to struggle vitally uh, to be a front runner uh, in the next years to come because, yeah, great guys. I mean, Bowman, Alex Bowman. William Byron, Chase Elliott, but not the type of guys that are challenging for race wins and series championships. And right now, that's something that Hendrick's not used to, but I have a feeling Rick Hendrick and company may have to get used to it over the next several years because this team has not set itself up well for the future like, say, a Joe Gibbs Racing has. Well, no, absolutely. And it is about time for, for the coach to get to, uh, some uh, championships and, and to get some things underneath his belt. Let's talk a little bit about uh, not only in NASCAR, but in IndyCar, uh, about some of the uh, uh, up-and-coming drivers and the drivers that are, are leaving the seat. And one of the biggest ones that we know about right now is that Jimmy Johnson is going to call it quits at the end of 2020. Obviously, I'm sure that will uh, uh, all the tracks will just like they did with Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. They they will have their own special tributes uh, to the career and legacy of said drivers. And let's talk about Jimmy Johnson. We try, and we've talked about it, this on the show many times, uh, but uh, recently over the last couple of years, that Jimmy Johnson was coming to an end, and it, and it appears that that's going to happen at the end of the 2020 season. Well. Separating him from Chad Canales is crew chief, I think, was a mistake. Uh, I think that just put him in a bad situation this year. And I think he started to look for it out because I think he clearly sees that Hendrick Motorsports is on a downward spin. And I just – I could understand he doesn't want to be stuck in, you know, essentially a dead-end team that's not making any progress uh, down the road. So I think that's – he's looking for it out. And I think that's why he's waited. He tried to make it work this year. And he just he's going to make it work. What try to make it work one more year, and then look do things that he wants to do for himself and his family. I think that's a fair uh, assumption at this point. But uh, if you talk about teams or drivers that can topple uh, Joe Gibbs Racing for 2020, uh, my best bets right now are probably Kevin Harvick with Stuart Haas Racing this year's Brickyard 400 champion. And Brad Keselowski with Team Penske. I think of the two guys that could possibly uh, stop Gibbs from winning another title with their dream team of drivers, uh, not just uh, Denny Hamlin, but uh, Kyle Busch and uh, Martin Truex Jr. And certainly in an ever-improving Eric Jones, I think uh, the two guys that certainly had the best chance to do it are probably Harvick and Kez at this point. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking with Matthew Embry, uh, WSGT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, Matthew, you're also in part of the flagship station of Notre Dame uh, football. We're going to get into some college football uh, and look back at 2019 and college football here in just a moment. Uh, I think yeah, we're going to be joined by Rick Brigham. 
is darn you, Logan Army? Justice. If he makes that, if Logan Justice makes that extra point against Tennessee, the worst that would have happened is Indiana in the Gator Bowl goes to overtime, or they force Tennessee to try for two to win the game in regulation. That extra point just killed them last night or two nights ago. If not for that, they would have won the Gator Bowl and ended a drought of winning a bowl game dating back to 1991. Unfortunately, that missed extra point cost them the whole game. No, absolutely. Let's talk about Notre Dame, though. Notre Dame uh, got uh, shanked, if you will, as far as their bowl game. They shouldn't have been playing Iowa State. I think a lot of people agree with that. We'll be talking with Rick Riggin about that in just a, a few moments. But uh, talk with us about Notre Dame fighting Irish. And I had to – I'll go back on uh, 2019. I had the opportunity for to go to my first Notre Dame home game. Uh, it has so much fun up there. I wore out. Wears me out. A lot of walking. But I tell you what, it is well worth it. Anybody and everybody should go to at least one home game at Notre Dame. It is something very, very special. Take us a look back at 2019 Notre Dame football. Well, obviously, another – 10-win-plus season. They finished the year at 11-2. and two. Now, granted, they did not get the bowl game they had, they wanted, but I think they made a very good performance against a team that could put a lot of points on the board at Iowa State. They kept Bryce Purdy under control for the majority of the game. I'd say give them kudos for that. Looking at the 2020, though, there's going to be a lot of question marks. Uh, is After his performance in the bowl game, is Todd Rees going to be the new offensive coordinator? This is a guy that has very limited coaching experience. Uh, giving him control of the players, I'd say, be a, a, a aggressive move, but I would say maybe a beneficial move uh, since he's been in the system. He was, of course, a player under uh, Brian Kelly uh, during his early tenure as the head coach at Notre Dame. But then you have the other scenarios to look at the opportunities uh, down the road. And, of course, the big thing in the play certainly – is the scenario where you have, uh, for instance, a situation where, for instance, you have to play some players on offense because Cole Komet has decided to forego his senior season. Uh, running back Tony Jones has done likewise. Uh, defensive back Aloy Gilman also is going to leave after his junior season. And uh, obviously the good news is Ian Book's going to be back for a fifth year, but uh, the wide receiving core is going to be – Hurt just a little bit because you lose uh, Clay or Chase Claypool to graduation. So you look at those scenarios and the opportunities are there. The question is, can you put it all together when it counts? And that's going to be the key thing for Notre Dame uh, looking to 2020 because there are some tough games in there. Obviously, the game heading to Lambeau Field to play Wisconsin and then obviously uh, hosting Clemson late in that month of November when college football playoff positions could be in play. Uh, those are two big games uh, down the road. It would be very interesting to see if Notre Dame has the tools uh, to get the job done. But I think right now, if you talk about a player that needs to break out for 2020, I think the guy that showed flash of the brilliance, Braden Lindsay, he's going to need to be that star player uh, starting in 2020 for Notre Dame's office to be successful. We've been talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, also uh, works for the flagship station, WSBT up in South Bend, of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Look back at 2019 in IndyCar, NASCAR, and uh, a little bit of the Fighting Irish. Uh, we're going to move on into some college football talk. Uh, Matt, are you going to stick around with us? 
Jason, I got to do a few things around here, but again, follow me on Twitter at M A T T E B U R Y. Also, keep an eye on the Rover for the 24. Uh, it's to see what happens with the battle with the Daytona prototypes and obviously the debut of the brand new GT Challengers, the Porsche 9, RSR 19, and of course the Corvette C8R. Absolutely. Matthew Embry, uh, WSPT up in South Bend. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch up with you soon, sir. Anytime, Tom. Also, you know, right around the corner, we're, we're less than 30 days away, or right at 30 days, 31, 32 days, 30-ish days uh, from the Daytona 500. My name is Al Marcus L. President Day. We'll be back with Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, to look back at college football in 2019. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love.
right, welcome back to The Balance, 30 Minutes of the Books. Take you to Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, breaking down the IndyCar season of 2019. And, uh, of course, the Indy 500, we're about 120 days away from the 2020 uh, Indianapolis 500. So exciting, man, time flies. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. But speaking of having fun, joining us now, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, going to help us look back at 2019. I look forward into 2020 uh, as far as the uh, college football goes. Rick, how are you, sir? It feels like it's been a month of Sundays since you've been on the show. Yeah. I was just going to say, I ain't been on the show so long, I forgot that I had walk-up music. <laughs> <laughs> it's all safe for you. Hey, here's a recap, and I know you know this, but I am all caught up on – well, okay, I have started The Mandalorian. I'm, I'm a couple episodes in, but I saw the final like that. Star Wars. Oh, I like it. I do like it. Yeah, now, uh, it's now, great. So here's, here, here, here's the thing for those that may not have seen it or just started watching. So I'm only like two or three episodes in, so I hear there's some stuff yet to come. Uh, but uh, – in the Mandalorian is a baby Yoda, which is like uh, taking the world by storm, but it's not baby Yoda. What I've looked on, on Google, but talking to another friend of mine who is way more obsessed with star Wars than any one living person should be said that Lucas said that he never wrote about the Yoda entity. So it, if you Google baby Yoda, it talks about the baby which is 50 years old, by the way, and the baby uh, is, uh, spoiler alert there, but is the <laughs> love child of Yoda and the, the the girl on the cancel that I can't pronounce. So what what is your official take on baby Yoda? Is it Yoda the baby? Because it does kind of take place in that time frame between – before Yoda died and this and that, it, it could take place in that time frame, but he's, he's 200 and some odd years old. So I want to subscribe to the Google theory that it's the love child of Yoda. Yeah, I actually don't know that theory. I didn't know that it could be a Yoda love child. I knew it was the same species as Yoda, but I didn't know it was supposed to be a love child. That's kind of cool. I we we were sitting here watching it, and I was just like, uh, what is that? So we Googled it. That's what Google said. So, you know, Google's all-knowing. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? Spoiler alerts, guys. If you've not seen the final Star Wars, well, shame on you. But I have. What are your thoughts? Were, were all the loose ends put together? I think the movie itself was good. I thought the ending was lazy writing, so I don't like the ending too much, but I thought the movie itself was pretty good. I thought it was great, but you know what? I have to admit, I've not been a lifelong I, – I saw the – when I was a, a young lad, 40-some-odd years ago, I saw the original – well, not the original, because now we've got, we got to clarify everything. I saw the first release of Star Wars, which was not the first release of Star Wars. That makes me so dizzy. Uh, and then I just kind of uh, grew up, and then I – everybody – and uh, in the world was watching Star Wars, so I got caught up on it. I did some binging over the last couple months, so I'm not the biggest expert on it. But I thought that the story 
tied together very, very good. I think cause the whole thing about Anakin, and I, I, I honestly feel like that he, he gave. Uh, again, we're giving spoilers. If you've not heard it, hold your ears. But I think he gave up on purpose. I think he could have won out if he wanted to. I think that the good in him, and I think that he turned to the good side from the dark side, and the story of Anakin. He ended that story. He could have. He could have kept it going. What are your thoughts? Is that is that where you think it well, went lazy? You texted me before you saw it about your theory of yeah. Kylo Ren, who was bad, turning good, right? And I didn't want to tell right. you that you were right because that's the way I, I – how I thought it would be too because we got The Rise of Skywalker, The Last Skywalker is the name of the movies, the movie titles, right? And he's a Skywalker, and people lose sight of that during the uh, during the movies. Like they forget that he's a Skywalker. So I thought this trilogy – was really about him, even though it focuses more on Ray, it seemed like. And I thought the way I wanted to end really was I, I figured Kylo would turn good. He would be uh, Ben Skywalker again, you know, which he was at the end. And, but Ray would end up being killed off. And Ben would be the one living because he's a Skywalker. But I thought it just went lazy at the end, lazy writing, where he was killed. And Ray gives herself the last name Skywalker. I thought that was cheesy. Well, I, I could see why she did it because she didn't have a last name or she didn't know what her last name was. And well, I her last name is Palpatine. So <laughs> she's a Palpatine, yeah. not a Skywalker. That's another story. It's <laughs> another dizziness. Oh, and we'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, move forward with the Mandalorian. Real quickly, another movie. You know what? Here's the thing. I had a week and a half off, so I spent a lot of time just binging on a lot of shows. But one of the shows that I had a chance to finally watch, I don't know if you watched it yet, and we'll get into the college football talk after this, but was The Irishman. I thought that was a fantastic movie by Netflix. What are your thoughts? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I've heard mixed reviews. I know you like it a lot. I've heard other people say it's great, and then I've heard people say it's way overrated. So, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, you know, you know how much I love Clay Travis, but he kind of got on my crap list uh, when he was talking about Jim uh, 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 Jim uh, Jim Harbaugh and uh, the overrating. And we'll get into that conversation here in just a minute about how overrated Jim Harbaugh is at Michigan. And he says, I compare that to how overrated the Irishman was. I'm like, what? Here, here's the thing oh. with the Irishman. <laughs> it's I it's long. I listen to Clay Travis about every day, and I guess I missed that part. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like the, it was after the Alabama game, and, it was, it yeah. was in that time frame. It was Thursday or Friday. Uh, I listen no, it was to it while I'm at Thursday. work, but I'm in a, I'm in and out of my truck so much. So, <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm a big Clay fan, but I, I don't listen to him live, even though he's live here in the Indianapolis market. I listen to him when I get home at night on the podcast because all the commercials are cut out, and then I can just hang out in my garage with my dogs and and, and drink my uh, adult beverage and listen to him. So that's oh, when yeah. I listen to him. So I, every time I hear him, I, I hear the whole the whole show. But yeah, 
Gee was talking about him being overrated in the Irishman, but I think that with the Irishman, it was such a good movie. But I think for a lot of people, don't like the fact that it was so long. And it's the same people that'll sit through a long uh, Star Wars movie. It's the same people that'll that watched the, the original Godfather movies. Those are long movies. <laughs> Let, let's not forget about going way back in the day in the 1920s and 30s. Uh, Gone with the Wind was one of the longest movies of all time. So yeah. any which way, <laughs> we are we are all caught up now and ready to go. 2019, let's look back real quickly. You probably heard Matthew Ember giving a recap at Notre Dame. We'll start with you on the uh, Notre Dame uh, end, and then we'll kind of go uh, through the 2019 season. Uh, college football, what was, what you, big Notre Dame guy, and certainly you came to this show as part of being a, a why you're such a Notre Dame fan and big Notre Dame fan several years ago. So let's get it from your point of view, Notre Dame 2019. Well, it's just unfortunately for me, their whole season usually summarized uh, all up on one bad game against Michigan because after that beatdown, that deflated the whole rest of the season. They just got stuck at rank 15 or whatever it was, 14, 15, 16, after that, and never moved from there. Even though they won their next six games, uh, they never moved from that spot. So it, it, you just summarize, break down the entire season, all off that beat down by Michigan. That that was their entire season. One bad game, and that's how you rate the Irish this year. Well, they won against Iowa State, but I think a lot of people think and believe, and, it, and maybe I'm one of those people that think that they got shafted for the bowl game that they were in, but at least they were able to end strongly with a good bowl win. Yeah, you know, kept Iowa State out of the end zone. Uh, I, it's Iowa State. I consider Iowa State a good team. No, I don't think they deserve to play against Notre Dame in the bowl game. Uh, being with a seven to five record, Notre Dame finishing ten and two. I thought Notre Dame should have played against Florida or somebody like that. But then that argument comes in if they were in a conference and all these bowl tie-ins, all these conferences that have had these bowl tie-ins. That's why Virginia got to play Florida instead of Notre Dame because Notre Dame is a part-time member of the ACC where Virginia's a full-time member. So all these bowl tie-ins, and that's where the conversation comes in is Notre Dame, should they join the conference? I'm starting to lean towards yes for now, but when the playoff does eventually expand to eight games, I don't know if a conference is going to be needed. Well, I don't. Are they going to go to eight games? I don't know that that's. Uh... Well, the uh, current contract for the four game setup goes through 2021. So I think 2022 will probably get the eight game playoff, and they'll try that out for a while, and it's going to be a huge success because that's what everybody wants. But so for the next two years, anyway, this next kind of season and the season after, we'll still get this four game playoff. But after 2021, uh, all bets are off. Hey, and you know what? That's when it all comes here to Indianapolis for the playoffs. So that's a, that's a whole other story. That's going to be it magical, could. Rick. It, magical. It, it could be a playoff site. <laughs> it could be. Uh, I don't know how they will break down the, the playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, real quickly, playing the homer card here, I tell you what, I, our social media director, uh, Melissa, was over here. Uh, the other night, we watched the Tennessee-IU game. She's a big Tennessee volunteer fan. Obviously, I'm an IU guy. 
I literally thought they had it in the bucket. Now I have to agree with all the IU haters. Indiana football does what Indiana football does. They define the word choke in that game. That was an absolute disaster. And what an embarrassing <laughs> loss after such a good season to get to a good bowl game. And and now and now you're gonna have second thoughts if they get to bowl eligible again. Do we send them south or do we keep them up north? We're not gonna send them somewhere nice uh, unless they absolutely one hundred percent does earn it. And God talk with us a little bit about that disappointing loss between IU and the Tennessee uh volunteers. Well, they gave up two touchdowns in 30 seconds there at the end. So uh, you can't see that coming. You can't predict that. You can't script that. Uh, I'll give IU a pass on that. Uh, I guess if you're a Tennessee fan, I mean, are you happy with that win, though? Because you had to score two touchdowns in 30 seconds to beat IU. So I don't know. I guess it's not really a program-changing game for for either program. I I, I think – it's fine. Yeah, you did choke that game away. Everybody can be mad about it, but they had a hell of a season still. Uh, for IU football, that's that's a great season. So at what that bowl win would have given what nine wins? That's incredible. So hopefully Tom Allen can keep that momentum going in, going into next year. Uh, maybe take some watch the films. I'm sure they already have a hundred times. Break down what happened there in those two touchdowns. Touchdown, the onside kick recovered by Tennessee. Touchdown again. 30 seconds all it took for Tennessee to take the lead in that one. That's nuts. It was crazy. It was totally insane. Well, at least Tom Allen does not have to worry about his ass being hot on the hot seat as they gave, oh, uh, they gave him not. a very well deserved, <laughs> a very well deserved. So now we got uh, uh, coming up here. We got the Clemson Tigers and the uh, I mean the Clemson. Okay, LSU Tigers. Tigers yeah, you're and good. Clint- yeah, L- are they both Clemson Tigers? Tigers? LSU Tigers. They're both Tigers. So two Tigers. Go here's back. an FF fun fact. Here's an FF fun fact. They both play in Death Valley because Clemson calls Memorial Stadium where they played Death Valley, and LSU Stadium is Death Valley. Well, so who's the correct either Death which Valley? way? <laughs> well, I think <laughs> LSU is this this year, and. Clemson had a great win over Ohio State. Uh, we talked about this on the show uh, a week or so ago. But, man, uh, Ohio State, well, we won't say they choked, but they lost to Clemson. Now you got Clemson, again, uh, facing uh, Joe Burrow, which by all accounts is next to Tua right up there, one of the best college uh, quarterbacks of 2019. We'll find out on Monday if Tua goes to the NFL my guess is money's going to talk, and he's just playing a little teaser. But we could be wrong. He could be one of those guys that go back to college and help out Alabama. And I have to admit, I really enjoyed not seeing Alabama in the college playoffs. But let's break down what's about to happen here between LSU and Clemson. And well, Joe Burrow, man, he's just the real deal. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, he's going to be next year since I had Bengals quarterback, so – you got that to look forward to. Uh-huh. And he's from Ohio. Ain't that crazy? That's, That's crazy. He's from around there, yeah. He's from southeast Ohio. So, yeah, it's going to work out great for him. They've already named his high was, school football stadium after him. It, it stopped being uh, – 
tanking for Tua and and tanking, and then it became tanking for for Burrow. We'll see what happens. That's a disaster. I mean, it's unfortunate that that uh, he has to start his NFL career in Cincinnati. But hey, he might he might turn the world around like Peyton Manning did for the Indianapolis Colts. Chubba Hubbard, Oklahoma State, man. There's another real deal of 2019. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, where'd that guy come from? He had the coolest name in college football that you never heard of until these last few weeks. Uh, I, he got my attention halfway through the season because, number one, his name is awesome. Uh, but he's an awesome running back, too. Everybody's talking about Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne and those guys. But then Chuba Hubbard comes out. Chuba Hubbard comes out of nowhere. And, you know, you talk about DeAndre Swift from Georgia, all those guys. Nobody's talked about Chuba Hubbard. And then the last, these last few games, uh, he might be the best back in the country, and he plays for Oklahoma State, so you never, uh, you never get to see him play really, and so you never really heard of him. But uh, if he was on one of these prime time elite teams, uh, he's probably sitting there at, in New York for the Heisman. Well, he averaged over 161 yards uh, per game, which is a big yeah, reason nuts. why the Cowboys had a top 35 <laughs> scoring offense. That, that's nuts. That's Heisman numbers, yeah. and he wasn't even at the ceremony. So we look at the Rose Bowl. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Rose Bowl, but certainly one of the standouts in 2019 for Wisconsin was Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I mean, he just is is a beast, and he uh, he averaged for a tailback. He averaged uh, 1,900 yards and 21 touchdowns while also adding a receiving element to this game uh, to the tune of 209 yards and five scores. So. You got to look at Jonathan Taylor with the Badgers uh, being the, the real deal. Yeah, and you know all those guys we're talking about for running back. I don't know which one's the first one going to be taken because they're all going to be the correct choice. So <laughs> uh, I, it's tough for me to say you know who gets drafted where, or who gets drafted first as far as running backs go. Uh, you take any one of those four or five, uh, and it's probably the right choice. Let's talk a little bit about another uh, uh, LSU standout, and that is uh, Jamar Chase. Chase is the favorite target of of Joe Burrow, and and they they're the uh, um, Reggie Wayne and Peyton Manning, if you will. And congratulations to Reggie Wayne to be in a nomination to the finalists of the Hall of Fame. I think he really will get in. I, I honestly think he'll if if it comes down to him or Edron James, it'll be him over Edron James. Although I'm I'm a big fan of Edron James, but I I digress there a little bit there. But uh, but what 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 are your thoughts? Well, it's Burrow and Chase. Uh, you watch these guys play, and Chase's speed is on a different level, just like uh, Joe Burrow's downfield passing accuracy. It's on a different level. These guys hook up uh, beyond 20, 30 yards. Uh, it, the lights are out. I mean, it, it's they take it to the house because uh, they're just playing on a different level, those two, than any other quarterback and receiver combo in the country, I feel like. Uh it's really like the whole offense for and defense for LSU. I mean, it's a pro, it's a professional-looking scheme. The way it's ran, uh, how fast these guys are playing, they are on a whole different level. Let's, let's look at another cowboy there with Oklahoma, and that's C.C. Lamb. Lamb, uh, highlight real uh, playmaker for the Sooners, is the main weapon for the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, another one of those quarterback-wide receiver combos. Yeah, it's just uh, Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback because he also has the ability to run. He's like another running back. 
uh, if you put C.D. Lamb on a, a on LSU, uh, who's number one receiver then? Is it going to be Chase or C.D. Lamb? Uh, Lamb is more of a shorter wide receiver. I wouldn't say undersized. He's kind of like a Will Fuller type from Will Fuller from Notre Dame. Now he plays for the Houston Texans. Uh, he's more of that type. He spent some of the season this year injured, so his numbers, uh, his final stats for the year aren't what they could have been uh, by any means. But, yeah, uh, I don't know how the draft's going to break down, but Chase going into the draft, uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, these guys are first-round picks. Taking a look back at 2019 college football uh, with Rick Riggin, our official college football uh, contributor. He's talking about some of the standouts of 2019. We look at the tight end from Florida Atlantic, and that's Harrison Bryant. Uh, the group of five standout played a key key role in Lane Giffen's offense, catching seven touchdowns across 1,000 yards, averaging 77.2 per game. He also excelled as a blocker for the Owls. Uh, and Lane Kiffin, I mean, that says it all right there. Yeah, I would just use caution, though, uh, with these tight ends, these players from the uh, non-power five, because they're going against that competition. You know, they're not going against the Bamas or the – well, I would say just Bama as an example. I'd say SEC or Big Ten talent or nothing like that. I, I would just use a little bit of caution uh, – as a Lions fan, I will say we took a tight end, tight end number one last year, T.J. Hawkinson from Iowa, even though he did play against that Big Ten talent. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence if he was really uh, – we should have taken him number one. You know, the other great players, obviously we needed some defensive help. Yeah. <laughs> but we take uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, I think he's a good tight end. I'm talking about Hawkinson, not the uh, FAU player. Uh, but I, I just use caution taking tight ends number one. Let's talk a little bit. We've got a, a few more minutes here before we have to wrap it up and put a, 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 a bow on it. In, 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 but let's talk a little bit about well, one of the biggest maybe uh, coaching changes we think, we believe, and according to Adam Scheffner, there's the the the, the um, breakdown uh, between Jason Garrett and, and the Cowboys has officially happened, but they've not released an official statement. So, you know, we talked about a lot of, a lot of reports are saying he's not going to be coming back. And I think that's the, the clear and present danger there, no or danger or not or whatever, but you got to look at who could step into that place. And obviously Urban Meyer is a favorite target to talk about. Everybody wants to talk about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer very well might stay at home and go with Cincinnati. But you got to wonder if staying at home is the best thing at all. Let's talk about some of these, uh, the, the, the coaching carousel, if you will. And Lincoln Riley to the Dallas Cowboys seems to be a popular point of conversation. There's also the coach of Baylor. Uh, but uh, the, the coach, let's talk about – uh, the departure of Jason Garrett and who comes in to fill, fulfill that role. And, and being a coach of the Cowboys, whether you're a Cowboys fan or not, the Cowboys coach has always been a a coach that we look at. The, that's why they call it America's team. Everybody looks at the Dallas Cowboys. And we can look at some of the greatest coaches of all time being associated with the Dallas Cowboys not necessarily Jason Garrett, but you got to look at that the Cowboys have a history of hiring good coaches, and you got to look at 
Urban Meyer or Lincoln Riley, it's got to be those two that 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 Johnson looks at. Jones looks at. I'm sorry. Well, he might look at Lincoln Riley. There's no way Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma. Uh, I, I I don't understand why college coaches like that these days. When you're at an elite program like Oklahoma, and I'm talking about these good, the great college football programs, those jobs are better than the jobs and every job in the NFL, and they really are. Because when you're the head coach in college, you have complete control of the program. When you go to the NFL, you no longer have control. It's GMs and owners. It's a player's league. You have all that to deal with. But when you're in a place like Oklahoma and you're the guy and it's your program and everything the program does is because of you, uh, I don't know why you would want to leave that, give that up, and give up that control and – even the money would be about the same. Uh, he wouldn't go to the Dallas Cowboys and make more money. Uh, it's just not the way NFL coaches are paid when he's making you know seven to ten million dollars a year really at Oklahoma. So I, I don't know why Lincoln Riley would even consider leaving Oklahoma right now. I mean he's got he, they're a playoff team, and it's because of him. It's his fingerprints. It's his program. It's what he's building. I, I don't see that. I know that's the hot topic conversation to put Lincoln Riley and Lincoln to all these NFL jobs. I'm saying it's not ever going to happen. I understand coaches want to, if they're successful in college, that competitiveness in these coaches, they want to be successful at the highest level too. But I feel like these great college football programs are just better jobs than all the jobs in the NFL. Now, as far as Urban Meyer goes, I don't know what he does. He's not in college now. Does he want to try the NFL level? Maybe. But I think as far as Dallas Cowboys go, they look at Greg Roman or Josh McDaniels, and that is the uh, the top two guys they're going to target. And there's no hurry right now to go out and get them because they're both offensive coordinators and they're both in the playoffs right now. So I don't think they can you, go out you, and get them right now. So you mentioned, you mentioned Josh McDaniels, and I'm going to throw a curveball your way, which is way out in left field. But, hey – for those that have the tinfoil hats on, we look at, at Tom Brady and Bill Belichick separating at Tom Brady possibly going into retirement. Again, way off the left field, conspiracy theory, tinfoil hats here. But, but let's throw the conspiracy spoke in the wheel here. Bill Belichick to the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think so. I mean, that'd just be nuts. If, and if that was the case, then you can just the next NFL dynasty would probably be the Dallas Cowboys uh, once he gets his quarterback. So I don't know if Dak Prescott is that guy. Uh, I don't know if he is that franchise quarterback. You know that long, you know that long. Uh, I don't know how I'm trying to word it, but anyway, the uh, Dak Prescott's longevity of playing at a high level is like, maybe a better way to put it. Is the guy there in Dallas? So. Uh, it's going, to, it's going to be an offensive-minded guy. It's got to be. So Belichick's probably that guy. I don't think that's even – yeah, you said 10-4 hat, so that is a crazy, crazy – It is 10-4 uh, hat. We'll see. I, I think not. I, I think uh, you look what Greg Roman did at San Francisco under Jim Harbaugh and got Kyle Kaepernick to the Super Bowl, and now what he's doing with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Uh, Dak Prescott could be one of those guys. Dak Prescott is about – you know, that athletic. Yeah, he he can also run. If you ever watch him at Mississippi State, he's a great runner. Uh, if they bring an offense like that into Dallas with that talent they have, that offensive line, 
back quarterback with athleticism. Of course, I got Zeke Elliott and, and Amari Cooper, uh, and a guy like Greg Roman right now, uh, and the way he's running that offense. Uh, Dallas could be an unstoppable offense. Uh, I think Greg Roman might be my top target if I was Jerry Jones. We've been talking with uh, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor. We're going to be talking the Homer card and more NFL stuff with uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, and Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. But you and I talked a little bit uh, this week, and we'll, we'll end it here with a final word here, and that is that uh, – the Colts are talking to Philip Rivers, but I haven't seen any progress there. But you also mentioned Zach Elliott. Uh, man, to the Colts, there's a franchise quarterback for you. Or the Colts, got they got to move on past Jacoby Brissett. I appreciate his service to our team. Uh, but we we we, we got we to realize that he's not our long-term franchise quarterback with the Indianapolis Colts. So what are your thoughts with the Colts, and what do they do? I think, uh, for me, Phillip Rivers kind of makes sense. I think he's got two or three good years left. That gives the Colts time to uh, settle down here, you know, after uh, Andrew Luck retired, uh, get some wins under the belt, probably a playoff run with Phillip Rivers, honestly, because I think he's still a pretty good quarterback. It definitely is a great fantasy quarterback, even if the Chargers did uh, were never all that great. But he was, I think he's got two or three years, uh, two or three uh, years left in him. And uh, that gives the Colts a couple of years to look out for the college guys. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence has one more year at Clemson still. Uh, we talked about Tua earlier. Uh, my gut feeling says that Tua actually stays because he's injured. He can't work out for these teams the way he's going to want to work out. That's going to push him further and further down the draft, uh, probably second, third, fourth round right now. So I think he stays. It takes that chance, that risk on not getting hurt again next year. But he can't work out for these teams this year now because of his injury, the way he's going to want to work out. So that's going to knock him down the draft. So now you might have Trevor Lawrence with Tua also in college next year. And if you bring in Rivers for a couple of years, draft one of those guys possibly, uh, they could sit behind Rivers for a year. No, you're absolutely right. So we'll see what happens if the, if uh, the, the talks continue with Philip Rivers from the San Diego Chargers. Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, thank you for helping us take a look back in 2019, uh, sir. And we'll be catching up with you again soon, sir. Where can people find your work at Masterpieces? Uh, I have the work at Masterpieces. You can catch my uh, sarcasm on Twitter here and there, at Riggin underscore Rick. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. <laughs> See you, buddy. Cheers. Cheers. Rick Reagan, our official college football contributor, been around the show for many years. We'll be right back with Ed Kratz, beat writer for Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, and also Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. We'll be looking back at 2019 continue, as well as uh, Wild Card Weekend right here on the Balance Radio Network. <laughs> Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities, 
The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow! They're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All right, welcome back to the Palace Waves. Tom President Day. One hour in the books. Thank you, Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, also uh, in the, with the flagship station of Notre Dame football. Taking a look back at IndyCar in 2019. This is what we're doing today. We're taking a look back at 2019, our first show of 2020. The Roaring 20s are back. And also, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, joined us to take a look back at uh, just some of the highlights of college football in 2019 and a, and a look at the upcoming championship between LSU and Clemson. Joining us now, though, is uh, two of the most esteemed people for my look back at 2019, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, and our official NFL contributor to look back at more college football, more look back at 2019, and Wild Card Weekend. We'll start with you, Tony. How are you, sir? Happy New Year to you. Good, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Welcome to, uh, like you mentioned, the Roaring Twenties, uh, a new decade. Hey, you know what? We'll get into this in just a minute, but I hear you've got uh, some uh, some good uh, betting options now that uh, betting is legal here in Indiana. So we'll we'll get your thoughts on that here in just a second. Ed Kratz, beef rider for the Philadelphia Eagles. SI.com, getting ready for a big game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are still in the hunt, and, man, we talked about it at the beginning of the season, Ed. 
We said that the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl again. You guys still have you still have hope, but much more than much more hope than the Indianapolis Colts. Happy New Year to you, sir. Yeah. Happy New Year, Tom. Uh, thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, <laughs> lots to look back You're on. Always lots to look back on in twenty. Lots to look back on in twenty nineteen and uh, busy weekend here, wild card uh, weekend for for games. It should be very interesting. Okay, well, let's uh, start taking a look back at 2019. Uh, uh, I'm going to just kind of give you creative control here, Tony. But as we look back at 2019 in sports, as far as the NFL and college or basketball, uh, what what comes to mind? Maybe your top uh, one, two, or three uh, stories that come to mind in 2019. Obviously, to me, one of the biggest stories of, of uh, 2019 uh, was the story of Tiger Woods. Uh, also, the story uh, of, of uh, Joe Gibbs Racing winning in an NASCAR championship. Also, the story of um, Roger Pinsky buying the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and uh, the IndyCar Racing League. But feel free to add to my list, sir. Yeah, I mean, I think Andrew Luck's retirement at the beginning of the season, uh, and you know, their last preseason home game, it comes yeah, out I tried right to after. That. Uh, I tried to yeah, forget well, that. Yeah, well, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think the biggest. I know we're only a couple of days in, but but how about the start of 2020? The Cowboys finally wake up, and you know Jason Garrett is finally dismissed by the Cowboys, uh, which seems like it should have happened what 10 years ago. Um, but but is that me, official? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's, I didn't, that hear, looks like that's I didn't hear it was though. official yet. I I, I saw uh, Adam oh. Scheffner's tweets. I saw the the. the 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 uh, breakdown happened. Ed, do you know is that official? I haven't seen anything it? from the Cowboys. I haven't seen anything from the Cowboys making that official. But I mean, you know, it is out there that he was asked to leave uh, or, or wasn't coming back. But I haven't seen any comments publicly from Garrett. I haven't seen Jerry Jones uh, go on any radio stations and announce that. So, um, you know, I, I think it's official, but. Uh, I just haven't heard anything from the people that are, you know, are supposed to officially announce these things. Um, but I, you know, I can't go, go believe ahead, that he's Tony, not I back. And, yeah. Go yeah, ahead, Tony. I, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, just, bud. No, you're good. I mean, you know, just the huge um, mania that was Zion Williamson, um, Kyler Murray, some of the hype that was there. Um, you know, you, you look at. You look at some of the other big stories, you know, you go back to the NCAA tournament, just the way, you know, that went down. It was so good with Purdue making that late run, Virginia winning the title, um, Dame Lillard shot in the playoffs, uh, LeBron to the Lakers. You know, there was just so many different stories uh, that happened that I think that were massive. You go back to the Super Bowl, uh, some of the, like you said, Tiger Woods, um, but I think the Raptors winning an NBA championship has to be mentioned. I mean, that's one of the biggest stories of the year because everybody thought going in, oh, it's going to be the Warriors again, it's going to be the Warriors again. And then that doesn't happen. LeBron misses the playoffs, and Kawhi Leonard takes a championship to the Raptors. And then the drama that preceded that with him bolting to go to the Clippers, um, the NBA free agency was crazy this summer. So, yeah, there was, uh, there was, a, there was a lot of things that were going on. Um, obviously, the Nationals. You know, winning was was pretty mega. So, uh, overall, I think it was a pretty solid 2019 when it comes to sports. 
No, you're absolutely right. And I, so many stories. It's like, it's like wait, which one do we pick? Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, Deathside.com, our official NFL contributor. I do want to get to this big wild uh, card uh, weekend. I do want to talk with you a little bit about the, 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 this big matchup between the uh, Eagles and the Seahawks. But first, uh, take a look back at 2019. Anything you want to add to the list? I, I, I still think Tiger Woods is the biggest story of 2019. Yeah, you know, I like that Tiger Woods story, too. That was, you know, kind of came from out of nowhere and won the Masters. Um, but, I mean, you know, Tony mentions the Raptors. I mean, you could put the St. Louis Blues in there, too, and the NHL winning the Stanley yeah. Cup uh, first time. In that franchise's history, you know, there's, uh, which is a big accomplishment. I mean, you look at the NFL, I think there's 12 teams that have never won a Super Bowl. And, you know, you can really feel for those teams, especially here in Philadelphia, where it took the Eagles forever to win a Super Bowl and uh, how long the fans have to sit and suffer and wait for that to happen. And, you know, they've been doing that in St. Louis for a very long time. So when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, that was huge. Um, and I think, you know, the Antonio Brown story was kind of a big story, too. You know, everything that went down with that, you know, that was that was huge to start the uh, NFL season. And, you know, here we are at the end of the season, and, and Antonio Brown is still not with the team yet. So, uh, you know, that was that was also a big story. But, um, you know, the Raptors was a big story, especially when you consider, you know, they beat the 76ers in a game seven on some circus shot from Kawhi Leonard in the corner. Uh, otherwise, maybe the Sixers win that game and they go on, and, and maybe they're the champs. But who knows? But the Raptors showed a lot of res- resolve winning the NBA title. That, that's a big story too. And then, like Tony said, Andrew Luck retiring. That's a big story, and that came from out of nowhere. So there were plenty of big stories. It feels like so many big stories that happened in just a year's time, um, let alone a decade. You know, I've seen even you know people putting their all-decade teams out there. I've been asked about you know, the best team nationally, uh, you know, in the decade. and um, But it seems like this past year has been filled with big stories. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, the Andrew Luck retirement, I think everybody's going to be like, I remember where I was at when that happened. Well, I, true story. I was at the, the Bears preseason game. I think I've told this story before. Uh, me and my, our social media director, Melissa, uh, was down at the Bears game. We had actually left. Uh, uh, and I know both of you guys are kind of familiar with Lucas Oil, but we had left and we were trying to catch our Uber and they couldn't find us because they have a, have a big thing every year here where it's thousands of bikers come into downtown Indianapolis. It's a charity thing. I mean, all over the nation, thousands of bikers uh, come into the nation. And so they couldn't get into by, up by Lucas Oil. So we walked up uh, by the Slippery Noodle, which you and I Ed, have been there before, but that's a whole nother story that we could get into offline. But <laughs> you remember the slippery noodle. I know you do. Uh, so we walked oh, yeah. down there to the slippery. <laughs> that was a night, wasn't it? We walked that we walked oh, yeah. down to the slippery noodle and I was just uh, like looking for my Uber guy and two guys walked by in bears Jersey. They say, Oh, Andrew Luck just retired. We thought, well, I just bear talk, whatever. And then my phone started going ding, 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 ding. Melissa's phone was like ding, ding, ding. What? And then Adam Schefter had broken the story. First of all, we 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 said that could happen. So yeah, Andrew Luck was one of the biggest stories of this of the season, and and now now here we are. Well, guys, we got just a little bit of time left here, so I want to get with you, Ed, real quickly. The Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles meet. Both seasons are on the brink. 
take us a 30-30 look at the Philadelphia Eagles getting ready for the Seattle Seahawks. Sir. Well, you know, everybody knows it's a rematch from a game they just played November 24th when the Seahawks came to Philly uh, and won 17-9, and now here they are again coming to Philly. Uh, both teams, though, are, are so different looking now than they were just those five or six weeks ago when they played last. You know, the Seahawks have really uh, been hammered with injuries just in the past month. You know, they lost pretty much their whole starting backfield with Chris Carson and uh, Rashad Penny going out. And, um, you know, that's huge, not having them. I know they signed Marshawn Lynch off the couch. He kind of looked like he came right off the couch last week a little bit. Um, but, you know, Pete Carroll said on a conference call this week that they want to see him take the next step now. I mean, really, they don't have any choice uh, for him to make that next step. It's do or die now for Seattle. So, um, we'll see what he has left, but uh, for the Eagles, they need to stop the run. It always starts with stopping the run. And uh, offensively, the Eagles are just as banged up as Seattle, if not maybe more so. Um, when you look at their skill positions, the receiver spot, they don't have Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar. These are the three uh, receivers the Eagles had hoped to uh, rely on this year, and they got hurt one by one. They each went by the wayside, and the Eagles have been getting by with practice squad players I mean I would challenge anybody to name the four receivers on the Eagles I don't know unless you're an Eagles fan you could do it and even if you're an Eagles fan I'm not sure uh, you could get all four I mean that's how crazy it's been uh, that they've been able to win with this cast I mean this this team this Eagles team has 16 undrafted players on the roster which is more than they have first round and second round picks combined uh, which is 15. So they have more undrafted players on this roster, and yet here they are. They won four in a row. I know people say, well, geez, it's against the NFC East, and all three coaches have been fired in that division. But, um, again, again, I would be hard-pressed to find another team uh, in the NFL that had to win four straight division games uh, with their backs against the wall like the Eagles were, sitting at five and seven when they began that march, and win all four. I mean, then, uh, division games are tough to begin with, no matter what the records are, because those teams are so familiar with each other. So you could say it's against an inferior opponent, and um, the Eagles winning all four to me is really a credit to them, especially who they did it with. Now, the Seahawks have kind of gone in a different direction than the Eagles since that loss. They're two and three, um, but they still have Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson is just a great X factor uh, in this game. He has never lost to the Eagles. He's 4-0 in his career. Um, so the Eagles have to find a way to beat Russell Wilson. Uh, they did it against Dallas. Ezekiel Elliott was 5-0 and against the Eagles when Dallas came through here, uh, and the Eagles held them out of the end zone when they beat Elliott. Um, I like their chances to beat Russell Wilson. I, I really do. I know most of the country's probably riding with Seattle on this, but uh, I think it's difficult for a team coming off a key loss to the 49ers to fly back across the country um, to play an Eagles team in the same building and beat that Eagles team in the same building uh, twice within a short period of time. Uh, the Eagles defense plays terrific at home. They've only given up 16 points a game. Uh, and since 2016, they've only given up 16.1 points per game at home, which is the best in the NFL. Uh, they averaged that amount this year, 16.1 surrendered at home. Um, so if the Eagles can hold the Seahawks to that number, I like the way this offense is playing, even with these uh, practice squad parts. Uh, Carson Wentz is really playing with a lot of confidence. He's trusting these players to make plays, and they're going out and doing it for him, and they're hungry players because they want to prove that they belong in the NFL. Um, I think if this game was in Seattle, obviously I'd take Seattle, but I like a lot of the intangibles in this game uh, that favor the Eagles, and I, and I think they'll find a way uh, 
uh, to win this game and probably go to San Francisco next Saturday night. Well, absolutely, and I think a home game at Philadelphia is much better than a home. I mean, for against the Seahawks, you got you'd much rather have a home game at home, uh, have the Seahawks on the road, I should say, as opposed to going yeah. on the road to the Seahawks. Tony Donna here of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, I, I know you're 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 dipping your foot into the uh, uh, open sports book legal gambling now. So give us some fa- uh, safe bets. Give us some lock-ins for a wild card weekend. Tony, are you still with us? Tony yeah, Donahue. Cool can you hear me? Okay, go ahead. I can hear you now. Yeah, go ahead. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, it was one of the coolest days, uh, I think, in the state's history back on September 1st when they legalized sports gambling. Um, the You know, you can go downtown and, and check out the sports book. You can do it on your app. Um, you look at, mm-hmm. you look at uh, today's playoff games. I like Buffalo on the money line. Uh, I think the Bills have a chance to go down and beat the Texans. Uh, that defense could slow down Deshaun Watson, slow down those weapons. Um, and, and, and Allen's been playing very, very well this year. Um, I think the Patriots could have no problem covering today against the Titans. Uh, the Saints will blow out the Vikings tomorrow. I think you're looking at a 17, 20-point win. Uh, Kirk Cousins, not very good uh, when he needs to be, especially in primetime games. And tomorrow afternoon, you know, as, as we you guys just talked about, the Eagles Seahawks is going to be so close to call just because – you know, it is Seattle going to the East Coast. Um, it is uh, a weird kind of start time. The weather could play a factor in that. I'm going to stay off that one, but I definitely like the Bills today, money line, and the Patriots to cover the points. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I, I, and I, I'm having fun with it because I'm a very conservative guy anyway. Uh, but I'm, I'm having fun when I got the app. And so I, I started with like 20 bucks, and, and, and I make a little money here, a little money there. But I, I'm only betting – what I win. So I'm not really losing anything. So I'm really right now just playing on house money, which is the best money to play, uh, play with. But, but uh, I, mean, I know Mo is kind of more of our betting expert, but what are some of the, the uh, pros and cons and the, and the best practices, if you will, uh, Tony, as you get into this uh, betting, now that it's legal and you could, you could do it very, very easily. It could get out of control very easily, but, I'm up to a hundred bucks, but I started at twenty bucks, but I really haven't added any more money. So I'm only playing what I'm. I'm only playing what I win, which is the best way to go, in my opinion. But I know it could get out of control real easy. So maybe give us some helpful uh, pointers on that, there, Tony. Yeah, I mean, I think when it when it kind of when things opened up on you know on September first, where you could legalize when it was became legalized, you could only do it downtown at the sports book, and really. The apps hadn't been set up yet. Now we're a couple months into it. The apps have been set up. Um, and you, you just kind of look at it like, hey, you know, it's something fun to do. A lot of people try to do it for a living, and that's, that's very difficult to do. That's probably one of the hardest things to do just because it's so inconsistent. Um, but, yeah, you just you got to weather the storm. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. Weather the storm. Make sure to cash out. And, and, and kind of like what you do, Tom, is you just want to stay on top of it, and you want to – continue to just play on house money and then, and then cash some of that out. You know, I've gotten cash out within 24 hours of some pretty hefty paydays. So um, just having fun with it, you know, something to do gives a little bit more intrigue to the games. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to to you now, Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's uh, start breaking down this weekend's games. Uh, Let's start with the Bills and the Texans. You heard uh, 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 Tony said he likes the money line with the Bills, but 
I hope the Bills do win just because, well, I'm in the AFC South and I want to see the Texans lose. That, that sums it up for me, but go ahead, Ed. Uh, what are your thoughts, the Bills yeah. and the Texans for today? Yeah, let me let me just put one thing out there. I know Tony said he's staying away from that Eagles-Seahawks uh, uh, game, but um, I, I'll, I'll just point out quickly that the Eagles um, have been the underdogs, you know, as far as point spread goes for uh, – this will be the sixth time under Doug Peterson that they've been the underdogs in the playoffs. And they're, I think the Seahawks are uh, uh, one-and-a-half-point favorites in this one, so this will be the sixth time the Eagles are underdogs in the playoffs. And under Peterson, they're 4-1 and one in those games. So you can take that information for what it's worth. You know, they went 3-0 and in those games during their Super Bowl run in 2017, and they were 1-1 one and one last year. Uh, as underdogs, they beat the Bears, of course, in the wild card weekend on the road last year, but lost to the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round. And now here we are again, they're underdogs going uh, up against Seattle Sunday. So uh, just a little food for thought for all you gamblers out there, all you betters. Um, but as far as the Bills and the, yeah, as far as the Bills and the Texans, I think Texans are, are going to be without Will Fuller. And that's kind of a big loss today for them. Um, you know, in a predictions uh, column that I wrote, I had the, uh, I had the Texans winning this game, uh, but I thought Philip Fuller would be available. Now I'm not really sure sure about that. Um, you know, this is uh, two quarterbacks under the age of 25 going against each other, Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson. I think that's uh, it's only the sixth time that that's ever happened where two quarterbacks have started a playoff game under the age of 25. The last time was in uh, 2012 when Robert Griffin III for Washington went against uh, Russell Wilson for the Seahawks in a wild card game. Um, so, you know, that's kind of an interesting little fact, but I, I love the Bills defense. Um, I don't like the fact that they have to go on the road, uh, for Josh Allen's first start. Uh, I think that favors someone like Deshaun Watson, um, who I think is going to find a way to win this game. I think the Texans are going to find a way to win this game. I know they lost at home last year, uh, in the, in the wild card game, the Indianapolis Colts went in and Andrew Luck fired two touchdowns and 220 yards passing to upset the Texans, and I just don't think they're going to let that happen again, and they'll find a way uh, with Deshaun Watson, a little bit more playoff uh, experience under his belt than Josh Allen. I think the Texans will win the game. Uh, real quickly, before we have to wrap it up and put a bow on on this segment, Tony, we'll start with you. I'm going to take the reverse effect here. So it's uh, it's kind of unusual, but maybe not just because it just seems weird. Uh, we have two uh, AFC South teams in the wild card hunt, so, with the last question, I wanted to see the Bills win because, well, it's the Texans. Well, now I want to see the Titans win because, well, it's the New England Patriots. And uh, we got to figure out a way to stop the Patriots. So, I'm on this Titan and Marcus Mariota and, and, and well, maybe not Mariota, but so much with the Titans uh, bandwagon. I'm on that bandwagon to beat the New England Patriots, and then on Monday we get an announcement that Tom Brady's going to retire, and on Tuesday we get an announcement that Bill Belichick's going to the Cowboys. Just kidding, but go ahead. What are your thoughts about the Titans and the Patriots? You know, I think um, you know you got you got to give a tip of the cap to Ryan Tannehill the way he's played late in the stretch. Um, they had two games against the Texans, two other last three games. Tannehill's kind of had a resurgence there in Tennessee uh, with Mariota out with injury. Uh, the Titans can give them a run for their money. Look, New England had everybody playing last week, and they lost to Miami. That defense is not really as good as it was at the beginning of the year, and it's crazy to say that a Tom Brady offense has, has had trouble, but they struggled throughout the season. I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans give New England a run for their money. Do I think that they're going to win? 
No, but I think it's going to be a little bit closer again than what people think. Ed, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Give you the final word. Let's uh, let's uh, uh, talk about the other game tomorrow, and that's the Vikings at the Saints. This should be a marquee matchup. Oh yeah, well I'm kind of with Tony on that one. I think you know I think the Saints are uh, I think the Saints could go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. I really do. I think maybe some people are kind of overlooking them. I don't know why, but you, you look at how strong the NFC is. I think the Saints went 13 and three, and they couldn't even get a bye with that record. Um, so the NFC is tough, and you know trying to pick at who's going to come out of the NFC is not very easy to do. But I like the Saints in this game. I think it's a big ask for the Vikings to go in there and win. I mean, you have the owner of the Vikings already coming out and saying Mike Zimmer's job is safe and Chris Spielman's job is safe. I mean, why in the world would you even address that uh, heading into a playoff game? Um, I just think the Saints have too much firepower. That, you know, they're specialty. They're, they're, I think they're the best well-rounded team left playing, you know, all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. So um, I think Tony said, you know, probably a, a blowout type game, two, two touchdowns. That's probably what – I think will happen too. I think the Saints won't have any trouble uh, getting past the Vikings. So, um, and then I think they, like I said, I think they can get to the Super Bowl. And that's really, I mean, I, I think the Titans getting back to that game. I think the Titans are going to upset the Patriots. I really do. I love Derrick Henry and the running game they have, and what Ryan Tannehill has been able to do. Uh, to me, they're the hot hand, and I think they'll find a way and a tough place to win against you know formidable foes in Belichick and Brady to get a, get a win in Foxborough. Yeah, it's good to see Ryan Tannehill. I had a chance to meet him and talk with him at the Indianapolis 500 on the red carpet. And, uh, you know, he's really down to earth, a very personable person to talk to. But I would have never, ever thought, talking to him then, that he would be basically the the, uh, franchise, what it looks like, could possibly be the franchise quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Real quickly, guys, let's play the homer card with me. Tony, I know you live here in Indianapolis with me. Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, what does the Indianapolis Colts do? We heard uh, Frank Ballard's uh, press conference uh, this this past week, and he basically said, yeah, you know, it's under evaluation. Uh, we wanted to use this year with Jacoby Brissett to see if it was a fit. He didn't come out and say it wasn't a fit, but he certainly, if you read into the tea leaves, said that they're looking elsewhere. We also we know that they're in talks with Phillip Rivers, which could be a, a good matchup. They're looking for that franchise quarterback. The Indianapolis Colts need to find that franchise quarterback. Do they find it in the draft? Do they find it in a in an older veteran player such as Philip Rivers? Uh, does Jacoby Brissett? What what? Let's let's uh, look into the uh, snow globe, if you will, of the Indianapolis Colts. Frank uh, Ballard, uh, I mean, uh, Greg Ballard, Frank Reich, and Jim Ursay, and that leadership over there at 56 on 56th Street there. Yeah, I mean, I think when you have to evaluate the way the season goes, you have to evaluate every position, and, and, and can you get better at that position? And has that player at the current position given you enough to say, I want to bring him back, I want him to be my starter? And I don't think Jacoby Brissett has done that. Now, all of a sudden, you know, he had an injury, and that's been and, – and, and here's what I've always said. Look, your job as a medical staff, your job as a owner, your job as a GM, as a coach, is if your guy is not 75%, don't play him and maybe even 80%, especially at the quarterback position, which is so important. Um, I think that they're going to move on from Jacoby if they can get a veteran in here that then they can maybe move up in the draft if they like somebody in the draft. But if they can get Phillip Rivers in here for a year and maybe make the playoffs, it would bring fans back a little bit. Um, but Jacoby Brissett just has not simply been able to get it done. Uh, he looks he looks very well at the beginning of the season, but down the stretch, hasn't happened. So 
Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens just because I don't think that Jacoby Brissett is an elite quarterback. You know, all we heard when Andrew Luck retired was, oh, Jacoby's been taking the number one reps. He's our guy. He's a top ten quarterback. Bottom line is he's not. Bottom line is the Colts were too loyal to Adam and Terry, and that cost him a playoff spot. Um, so this team has a lot of evaluating to do, and they have to evaluate themselves in the way that they operate um, because it was not a good look for this team this year going 7-9. and nine. Tony Donahue here, the Tony D Podcast uh, has joined us today and looking back at 2019. Tony, uh, where can people find your work in Masterpieces? Yeah, the Tony Donahue Podcast can be found on Anchor and on my Twitter at Tony D Indy. Um, and we've got a little college basketball gambling blog coming up here at 11 on Twitter. It's uh, at On The Bubble Show. If you want to watch that, uh, we'll just keep on rolling. Thanks for having me. Sure, buddy. Have yourself a good weekend, and I'm going to take you up on some of those gambling tips. Sounds good, man. Take care. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ed, uh, Mo joins us real quickly. Mo, Ed, you guys know each other. Uh, <laughs> Ed, can you hey, stick Mo. around for a couple more minutes? Yeah, you got to go. Around. Yeah, I, I, you know, no, I, I can stick around, sure, for a couple minutes. Yeah, I can well, stick down another few minutes. Yeah, here. all right, guys. Take a quick break, and, and then we'll be back here. We'll continue our conversation with uh, the, the wild, wild Card Weekend, the Wild Wild West, if you will, right here on the, the Balance Radio Network. component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click.
defensive player of the week. You're giving it to him right now. I am. Here's a flag as. Whoa. Hello. Whoa. Uh, Mason Rudolph got Rudolph into it. Get out of there. What in the world? To lead Miles Garrett. They'll be swinging a helmet. Yeah, there'll be some ejections coming out of this. There may be suspensions. That's right, suspensions. All right, welcome back to the balance. Obviously, that's a look back into 2019. Miles Garrett. Uh, and uh, the the brawl with the with, with the Browns uh, joining us also is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, we are looking back at 2019, continuing over from the last segment. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Let's start with you, Mo. First of all, happy New Year to you, sir. Thank you, thank you, happy New Year. Yeah, but look at you. Hey, let's look back at we're going to take our teams individually and look at the biggest stories maybe between our homer teams, the Eagles, the Browns, the Bears, the Colts, and then we'll kind of filter back in some other stuff. But I thought that was a a one of the biggest highlights of 2019 when it comes to the NFL, especially when it comes to the Browns uh outside of maybe firing of of Kitchens, uh which kind of technically happened in 2019, but I think the bigger story was that. So let's let's walk through that. You, uh, the, what happened there? I know you were in the locker room. You had a chance to talk to Miles Garrett and and, and, uh, and different people surrounding that. So take us back to that event and uh, help us uh, relive it, if you will. Well, you know, I think that event for Miles Garrett was obviously a little bit uh, out of character for him off the field. Uh, the guy is uh, is fantastic. I think he let his emotions get the best of him. Uh, he's a guy that uh, you know. If, if anytime you go to a Browns event that's uh, outside of of the uh, the football aspect of it, he's always one of the guys that's there. Uh, but you know, it was uh, it was kind of uh, I guess a, a microcosm of things that uh, happened this season. Freddie Kitchens was obviously the wrong hire. Was in over his head the entire season. You've got uh, players on the field. Uh, you know, asking teams to come get them. You know, the offensive coordinator telling uh, other teams' coaches that the, the Browns are a mess. And, uh, you know, this week you've got uh, the owners getting rid of their GM and John Dorsey. And uh, in their press conference, which was so telling this week, saying, well, we want to hire the coach first so we can have a say on the GM. But, you know, we might not get it right this time. You, you haven't got it right in five other times you've owned the team since 2012. So, uh, the Browns are a complete uh, 100% certified dumpster fire, and uh, it's not looking better anytime soon. Here's a wild question for you, and I want to get into this coaching conversation in more detail in, in a few minutes with you and Ed as far as with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but that aside, we know that Urban Meyer has been talked about with the Dallas Cowboys but I also know that Urban Meyer's talk, being talked about any NFL opening. But what are the thoughts about Urban Meyer staying in his homeland there and uh, taking over the reins with the Browns? I think it would be a terrible idea. Urban Meyer's a guy who has uh, who has uh, no NFL coaching experience, and, and not that that makes a big difference, but I think here it does. Urban Meyer's a guy, if you look, who's never really developed a good NFL quarterback. 
uh, in his college days. He's let teams and, and players run wild in college, uh, you know, i.e. Aaron Hernandez. I just I think it would be a terrible fit, a terrible idea. I think he is, uh, after covering him for a couple of years, I think he is a liar uh, and a gigantic douchebag. So I think it would be a terrible mistake for the uh, Browns to look at Urban Meyer. Okay, so I know what you think now. Okay, thank you. Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ed Kratz, uh beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com. Ed, Ed this uh, 2019 was a was a transition year for you, uh, moving over to the SI.com uh, platform, and I'm so glad that you're doing that, and we try to share as much of that as you can. But as you look at 2019 in in in, in past, even though I know your, your season is still going, and we talked about that game earlier, but just – Moving prior to the playoffs and looking at the 2019, uh, I think everybody that's an Eagles fan uh, and uh, covers the Eagles has got to be happy with Karsten Wentz. And the the hot take, if you will, you guys managed to get into the playoffs, but the but the NFC East just was kind of uh, mediocre as a whole. And that's not a that's not a, a, a jab at the Eagles. But had the NFC East been a little bit better, maybe we'd have been talking a, a little bit different tune about the Philadelphia Eagles. Would you agree or disagree? Oh yeah, it's, that's probably accurate. Um, you know, Doug Peterson went out and got all three coaches in the NFC East fired. You can say that. I mean, he he's owned the Giants and the Redskins since he took over, and um, you know, the Cowboys had his number, but they found a way to beat them when the Cowboys could have wrapped up the NFC East had they won that game. Uh, and the Eagles would be sitting at home, but the Eagles held the number one ranked team on offense and the Cowboys out of the end zone when they played them. They held them to three field goals, 17 to nine. So, you know, that, that kind of, that win kind of gets a little bit overlooked in this, uh, this run against the NFC East opponents because the Cowboys could have won the NFC East with the win uh, and they just couldn't get it done. Um, and that surprised the heck out of me. I got to be honest with you, but um, you know, to beat a, a division team four straight games with, in a very narrow margin for error, a loss could have ended the Eagles season in that streak. I don't think you can name another team in the NFL uh, that has done that. I know the NFC East isn't the strongest of divisions, but to win four straight games against the teams that know each other very well, who play each other twice a year for going back for, you know, dozens and dozens of years, uh, that's not easy to do no matter what the records are. So, I, you know, I might be the only one in the country that gives them credit for doing that um, because it's easy to say, yeah, well, it stinks. But then you look at the circumstances. It's not so much who the Eagles beat. It's who they beat these teams with, which is a cast of really no names. Um, and that has kind of rejuvenated the Eagles, is bringing in these practice squad guys that really have uh, put them over the top. And a big reason for that is Carson Wentz. He trusts these guys to make plays. He believes in them. Uh, and each week you've seen that trust and that belief grow to the point where I think the Eagles are a very confident team going into Sunday's game against Seattle. I, I, I'm excited. I'm going to be rooting for the Eagles. That's absolutely for sure. And and uh, the Eagles are my favorite uh, NFC uh, team, so I'm really rooting for them. But I hope it, it does come together. Uh, Mo, for the BS Sports Show, Mo, your other team that you cover is the Chicago Bears, another uh, – uh, rocky road, another uh, 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 waves are coming, and and uh, you guys, much like the Indianapolis Colts, are looking for their franchise quarterback. Thought you found it with Mitchell Trubisky or Mitch Trubisky. Uh, that is not the case. But the 
Chicago Bears, what's their future look like 2020 and look back at 2019? Well, the Bears uh, decided to get rid of a couple of uh, position coaches. Uh, you know, they. I think the big decision is going to be whether, you know, they feel like they can move forward with uh, Mitch Trubisky or not. Uh, you know, he's had signs this year that, hey, you know, he gets it. But I, I think the overall feeling uh, is that Mitch Trubisky regressed. And then when you see it uh, right in front of your eyes, when the quarterback that you could have drafted that you moved up to get Trubisky and you see, you know, Pat Mahomes come in there and, uh, you know, beat up on your team, I think it was just a nice reminder for Bears fans towards the end of the season that, wow, we really, you know, screwed this up. So, uh, you know, the Bears have to make a decision. What are they going to do? Are they going to move forward with uh, Mitch Trubisky? Uh, or are they going to go uh, hunting for a quarterback? And, you know, and again, you know, the uh, there's a few quarterbacks toward the top of this draft. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Bears have the draft capital, want to spend it to go get one of those. You know, they're kind of in the same position as the Colts, so there's not really enough draft capital that the Colts have to move up to get one of those, you know, high-ranked quarterbacks. So uh, they're going to decide do they want a, a gap in one of these veterans that uh, could be available, or, uh, you know, are they going to, uh, you know, try to try with Trubisky or figure out a way to uh, go all in and go up and get one of these guys. So it's going to be interesting as we get uh, closer to the end of the season and we get to the free agent period and see what the, the Bears decide to do. Yeah, absolutely, and let's move on to my Indianapolis Colts. Uh, lots to talk about in 2019, and, and obviously the biggest story we talked about earlier, and that's the retirement of Andrew Luck. I mean, big surprise, kind of a, the shocker that shook the NFL uh, world. But more than that, I think, and, and maybe this is just me uh, being a, a Colts fan, but I think the bigger story with the Indianapolis Colts is we could have been in the playoffs, it's easy to have hindsight 2020, and I and I get that things could have gone a different ways, a million different ways. But as I see it, there's at least two or three games we could have won had an adventary been able to to succeed. And I, I think it's we've we've not seen an official statement. I, I don't think that the Colts are bringing back Adam Vinatieri. I honestly think he's going to retire. I don't know that he he has what it is, what it takes. My personal theory is he's going to retire and he'll be back as some sort of special teams consultant or coach with the Indianapolis Colts. I, I think they've got such a good relationship with Adam Vinatieri. Again, that's that's just a theory. That's there's no uh, official word about that, but that's just my my theory that. He retires, but he stays with the Colts organization in some uh, capacity. And then we've got to move on past Jacoby Brissett. Uh, listening to Frank, uh, uh, I mean, I keep saying Frank Ballard, Greg Ballard's uh, uh, press conference this week, he kind of let us know that we're moving on past Jacoby, but we don't know where. But we do know, we do know this to be a fact, Ed and Mo, that they are talking to Philip Rivers and he was in town uh, this week. His agent was in town this week. Uh, so I know that they're in definite talks with Philip Rivers. Uh, so we'll start with you, Ed. Uh, the Colts going into 2020, Adam Benetieri, Philip Rivers, uh, no Jacoby Brissett, draft. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, the, the Colts showed a lot of uh, – loyalty to Vinatieri to, you know, stick with him uh, through, you know, his first miss and his second miss and his third miss. You know, I mean, they really stuck with him. So it wouldn't surprise me if he came back. I mean, that's a good relationship. The Colts really stood by his side as he continued to fail. 
through the season, and that did cost them a playoff spot probably, you could say. Um, so I, I don't know who the kicker is that replaced him. I don't know if he's going to be good enough, so maybe you need to go out and get a kicker too. Um, as far as the quarterback goes, I'm not a big Philip Rivers fan at all. I think, uh, you know, to me he's one of the more overrated quarterbacks that's played this game over the last 10 or 15 years. I'm not a big fan. I know it makes sense because him and Frank Reich have a, a little yeah, bit he'll, of Yeah, he'll be a hot Oh, I'm sorry, Ed. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but don't you think even though he's overrated, he's still going to get into the Hall of Fame, Philip Rivers? I well, he could. I, I certainly wouldn't vote for him to get into the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know if he'll get in. Uh, certainly wouldn't okay. be a first ballot, but Fair maybe enough. at some point he will. I just, I just don't think he's really done enough with the talent that he's been that has surrounded him in certain seasons. I mean, I think his he's got a below average uh, record in the uh, or below 500 record in the playoffs. Um, I, I just think he's, he's fairly overrated. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Chargers have had some good teams around him, and they just kind of haven't done anything with it. Um, but anyway, I, I know it makes sense for the Colts because they, Reich and Phillip have that history going back to San Diego with the Chargers. But, you know, here, here's an interesting thing. I don't know where this would go, but why not reach out to Jacksonville and see what they want to do with Nick Foles? Um, you know, Reich and Foles won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. They have a great relationship. Foles loves Frank Reich. Um, you know, Frank Reich is a, is a minister, uh, you know, off the field, and, and that's what Foles wants to do. So those two guys, they really respect and admire one another. I know it would be a big chunk of salary to commit to Nick Foles, but, you know, there is a better history between Reich and Foles than there is with Reich and Rivers. I mean, Reich got fired in San Diego uh, thanks to Philip Rivers. So I, if I'm the Colts, I would try to reach out to the Jacksonville Jaguars and see what it would take to get Nick Foles to come in. And, and maybe they have. In all, in all fairness, uh, uh, Ballard did say in his press conference that he's answering his phone. So uh, maybe they have. Yeah. We just don't know about it. But we just know that, that Philip Rivers and his team was in, in town, and they were uh, discussing some possibilities with him. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts? Uh, Adam Vinatieri – Kobe Brissett, Philip Rivers, uh, the quarterback situation. What are, what are your, what is the outlook for uh, 2020 with the Indianapolis Colts, the draft, and so forth? Well, you know, I don't put all the blame on Adam Vinatieri. Obviously, he missed some field goals and some key moments. But to me, you know, as we even talked about early on, I was one of the Kobe Brissett naysayers. I think he holds onto the ball way too long. I think he's very indecisive. Uh, I think the game looks like it's a little too fast for him uh, at times, and, and I didn't like that, uh, you know, from the uh, from the standpoint of the Colts. Uh, you know, the quarterback. I, I don't like I don't like Philip Rivers as a quarterback because here's what would bother me: would be him completing the season and not deciding to retire. I mean, the guy still drives from San Diego to LA. He's got nine kids out there. He's a big time family guy. I, I don't see him being that far away from his family. I, I just don't see that working. The guy who's interesting to me uh, is Jameis Winston, who will be a free agent. Uh, if you could figure out a way to curb some of the bad mistakes that he does make, the interceptions. I was going to say, wouldn't he be a PR nightmare? (laughs) But, but, I mean, on the field, the guy can fly out and throw the football. Uh, It's just making the bad decisions, throwing all the interceptions. So, if you could get with the right guy that I think could control it, that would be an interesting. The the kid's still young. Uh, He can can rifle the football down the field through for the most yards in the NFL this year. Jameis Winston, to me, would be an an interesting option uh, at quarterback if you felt you had the right personnel uh, to work with him. Uh, Other than that, it's probably going to be a a year uh, to where they find a a veteran to bring in to uh, just kind of shore up that gap till they figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. But, uh, 
Jameis uh, seems interesting. I think you have to overpay probably for Teddy Bridgewater. I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in him, including his current team, the uh, the Saints. Cam Newton can't stay healthy, uh, and would and would be expensive. And I, you know, and I like what uh, Ed saw with Nick Foles and Frank Reich uh, reunion uh, in Indianapolis. Yeah, and, and maybe that that is happening. You would think, based on what Ed has said and what we know to be fact, that that uh, 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 Frank Reich has said, "Hey, I'd like to talk to Nick Foles." And, you know, there's a lot that goes that comes together. There's a lot of money that's going to have to be paid. They, they'll pay more money for Nick Foles to maybe not be the franchise quarterback. I think they're focusing on getting their franchise quarterback, whether that's in the draft or whether that might be. Uh, uh, you, maybe if Tua comes when he'll announce on Monday, if he's coming into the draft, I kind of think that he won't. I kind of think he'll come back to Alabama, especially in lieu of the fact that they didn't make the playoffs this past year. But with his health, it might hurt his rankings even if he goes into the draft. So he might still be available late in the first round. I, this is a hypothetical for the Colts to, to pick up and, and look at in the future. So a lot, lot going on there. Let's talk about the coaching changes. We'll start with you, Ed Kratz. Obviously the biggest uh, elephant in the room is Jason Garrett. Not beneficial. Kind of like, what? of course, his contract ends in, in January 14th. Maybe they're just riding the clock out so they can just, uh, you know, end it. But apparently, according to Adam Scheffner, yesterday's tweets that the talks aren't happening anymore uh, with Jason Garrett. I think Jason Garrett knows that he's moving on. Uh, two-part question here. One, who do the Colts go after? I mean, I'm sorry, the Cowboys go after. Is it uh, Lincoln Riley? Is it Urban Meyer? Is it the, the Baylor coach? Who do they go after? Uh, is it another NFL coach that, that might not be around anymore? Obviously, Riviera got uh, scooped up. Who does care? Uh, so there's a lot of coaching here. So you got Carolina. You got the, you got, uh, you got the Browns. And, and so you, you look at some of these coaching things, but the biggest story out there right now is the Dallas Cowboys looking for a coach that hasn't even let their coach go officially. Uh, Ed, what are your thoughts? Dallas Cowboys – Jason Garrett, make us feel good, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Jerry's really taking his time with this whole Jason thing. I, you know, he doesn't want to, I don't know, offend him or hurt his feelings. I, I, I know when you know Jerry Jones fired Tom Landry, uh, you know, Hall of Famer Tom Landry. He went to the golf course where Tom Landry was playing golf, uh, and, and pulled him off the course and had a meeting with him and fired him right then and there. And uh, I know that Jerry regretted that through the years. In fact, you know, Tom Landry was invited back to get inducted into the Cowboys ring of honor and he refused for several years until they were able to finally smooth things over before he passed away and, and induct him into the ring of honor. But, and I think Jerry kind of regretted the way he handled that. And maybe that's why he's, you know, trying to handle this thing with Jason Garrett with kid gloves. I mean, they do have a long relationship uh, together, him and him and Garrett. Garrett's been the coach for 10 years and, uh, he, he's been with the Cowboys even longer than that. So, um, you know, he probably feels like he's a son to him and wants to kind of let him down easily, I guess. And that's why, you know, we're really not seeing a whole lot of the clarity on or clarity on, um, you know, what they're doing there in Dallas. But, you know, Jason Garrett, to me, I, you know, he won't be back. And so now you got to turn your attention to who exactly. I mean, I, I, I know, you know, Jerry had great success bringing in his old college roommate, Jimmy Johnson, and they won Super Bowls. And then he, got Barry Switzer in there, another former coach, and uh, Switzer won a Super Bowl. So, you know, he could go back to that that type of success and bring in a college coach, even though college coaches don't tend to uh, do well 
transitioning into the NFL, there's more of a miss rate than there is a hit rate. So um, Jerry could go that direction. You named the candidates that are out there that uh, could possibly do it. I don't see someone like Saban coming or um, Urban Meyer coming in just because I think his personality would be too strong uh, to work with Jerry and his son, Stephen Jones. So uh, to me, he may go in the direction of hiring a coordinator from another team. Uh, But then, you know, does Jerry want to bring in an outside set of eyes to kind of look at his team in a fresh way? I don't know. I think he needs to do that. But, you know, he's so uh, protective of his team and his players, and he may not want someone to come in and, and kind of tell, tell it like it is uh, with him. I know he tried that with Bill Parcells, and that didn't work out. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Uh, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of directions they could turn, and, uh, maybe that's why he's kind of taking his time with Jason Garrett is he kind of wants to look at the landscape, uh, see what's out there. He could be waiting for uh, someone like the Baltimore Ravens to be done in the playoffs and maybe interview Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator. He might have his eye on some uh, coach that's still alive in the playoffs, and he's just kind of waiting until that team uh, is eliminated to be able to talk to him. So uh, it's certainly an interesting situation to watch. But, um, you know, I think he'll move on from Garrett and look to hire somebody. I have no idea who. He could go college or he could go with an assistant in the NFL right now or a former head coach from the NFL. Well, what are your thoughts on Jason Garrett and also uh, your Cleveland Browns looking for a coach? Uh, another name, and we talked to we talked about Urban Meyer. Uh, certainly Lincoln Riley is still going to be in the discussion for the Bengals, but Mike McCarthy as well uh, from the Packers, uh, the name that we haven't talked about a lot, but certainly he's in the mix and in, in conversations of uh, people that the that the Browns might be interested in. Uh, from your from your seat, what are the Browns looking at, uh, Mo? Well, you know, they want somebody to come in, basically, uh, who's going to uh, adhere to the analytics. Here's, the, here's what sums up the Browns. They let go of the football guy to keep the baseball guy, Paul DePodesta, who came from the Mets. So that's kind of where the Browns are. They figured, you know what, even though we have a football team, let's keep the baseball guy around. And since John Dorsey can't get along with him, we'll get rid of the football guy and we'll keep the baseball guy. I mean, obviously, the, the, I think the, the best uh, shot at head coach – uh, if you're if you're a Browns fan, it would be Lincoln Riley, uh, Baker Mayfield's former coach, a guy who's got a lot of charisma, a lot of fun uh, ideas on offense, a guy who is very commanding, uh, even though he's only uh, he's a younger guy. Uh, you know, it's uh, Jason Garrett uh, would be a huge mistake for the Browns, but uh, you know they're not above making those mistakes. They like to do it pretty often. If if you're the, <laughs> if you're the Cowboys, you know, if I'm Jerry Jones, here's what I would attempt to do. Not that it could ever happen, but here's what I would attempt to do. Look at the one that got away, Sean Payton, uh, a guy who, uh, you know, depending on what happened with Drew Brees, if he decided to call it a career or if they won a Super Bowl, would you would you stay in New Orleans or would you throw the, the most money a head coach has ever been paid uh, and try to make a trade with the New Orleans Saints for Sean Payton, who is a uh, former member of the Dallas Cowboys staff? Uh, you know, and probably the one that they, they should have kept a hold on to a long time ago. So uh, not that it would ever happen, but that would be an interesting an interesting thought for the Dallas Cowboys uh, would be uh, would be Sean Payton. Well, guys, it's time to wrap it up and put a bow on it. So we'll start with you, Ed. Uh, give us some final words of wisdom as we go into wild card weekend. And uh, where can people find your work at Masterpiece, sir? <laughs> Uh, well, I, yeah, I think look at the Patriots game, Tom Brady. This could be the last time we see Tom Brady play in the NFL. I mean, I know he hasn't looked like the same quarterback. Looks like father time might finally start starting to catch up to him. Um, he could retire at the end of the season. I, I think Brady is so competitive. I'm not sure he'll do that. 
but he has to look in the mirror and see, hey, do I want to keep doing this? I mean, he, he's not been the same. And I think the Titans could upset the Patriots. So that, that to me, we could be looking at Tom Brady's final game uh, sometime, you know, Saturday evening. And then uh, my work at Masterpiece, you can just follow me on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E, or uh, uh, check out uh, check out my work at SI.com slash NFL slash Eagles. It brings you right to my Eagles page, and uh, you can read uh, anything you want about the Eagles there. Absolutely. We try to share as much as we can on our Facebook page yes. and Twitter page with you as well. And I, uh, so uh, I follow, appreciate follow, that. follow us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Well, thank you, uh, Ed, for joining us on the final show. I mean, final show. The first show of 2020. Not the final show of 2020. <laughs> the first show of 2020. We, we need to have a yeah. final show of 2019. So, all right, buddy. We'll talk with you yeah. soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year to you. <laughs> you too. Uh, Mo uh, from the BS Sports Show. And I just lost you, Mo. I am so sorry. <laughs> Oops. He. He, we lost him, so that's fine. My name's Tom Mike Wazell, Presidente. You can catch Mo at, at Mo Radio uh, uh, Show as well. It's been great recap of 2019 as we get ready for 2020 and, and Wild uh, Card Weekend. Uh, move forward starting today with the Texans and the Bills and the Titans and the New England Patriots. Great show today. Thank you, Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, uh, our official IndyCar contributor. Thank you, uh, Tony Donahue and uh, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor. Uh, Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. And Mo from the BS Sports Show. We'll be right. We'll be. No, we won't be back. We'll be back next Saturday. Remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. My name is Tom Marquis. Remember, don't drink and drive. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs>